0: Hello and welcome, Blue Jay fans, to episode 31 of Section 138, a Blue Jay podcast for everything Blue Jays. Obviously, we have not recorded since May. It's been a a very long time, but we're back, and with the season wrapping up today as we record this on Sunday, the final day of the season, Uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this regularly during the offseason and stay caught up with the news as we were unable to, obviously, during the season. Uh, Today, we're joined only by Blue Jays Nation, but we'll be Discussing um, the 2018 season, our thoughts on it, how we think it'll uh, look in the years to come, how we'll view it. Uh, we'll also discuss some of the highlights of the season and uh, uh, things that we found. Awesome and things that we hated. And then uh, moving forward, we'll talk about the playoff format a bit and uh, some of our dislikes of that. And then uh, the Blue Jays manager, which obviously John Gibbons is uh, out the window right now. Uh, a new manager coming in who we don't know yet. We'll discuss certain names involved in that discussion. And then finally, we'll talk about next season, our expectations and what we think of. Maybe some prospects coming up. Um, we'll start with obviously looking back at the season. Uh I think it's always kind of funny. As soon as the season ends, I wrote this on my Instagram account. But as soon as the season ends, that's the most uh, familiar you are with that season because you know the most about it. But um, as soon as you move past the season, you start to forget things, and you uh, you know you forget what happened. You forget the the ebb and flow of the season. You know it's it's when you, when you're so close to the end of a season, you remember everything and kind of what happened, but as soon as you kind of distance yourself from that through time it um it, it gets to be less and less familiar um but what do you think um how do how do you think this season will be looked upon in the future by by us by fans looking back uh, just what do you think
1: i feel like the best way to sum up this season is just to say it was overwhelming because it, there were so many ups and downs it almost felt as if you, you know, you never really knew what was going to happen. It started back in April when the team was actually contending. They they were way over 500. Everybody on social media, especially a uh, the MLB account, was posting things like, don't sleep on the Blue Jays. You know, they are a legitimate team this year. And then they just fell off the face of the earth uh, towards the end of April. And then it's been controversial topics thrown out, uh, surrounding certain players there's just been it's just been a mess basically everywhere uh players have been dealt we went from looking to be a contender to nobody really knew what was going to happen next to what looks like it's going to be a full blown rebuild and it's just as i sit here right now it's just i almost i kind of feel a sigh of relief because you know the mess of what what just happened is now over but Looking forward, I think this team definitely does have a good future. And that c- kind of gives me the optimism that I think we were missing throughout the season. Because like I said, or like we'll talk about later, we had, there's a lot of prospects that are set to come up. And, and I think this season was kind of a bridge from the old Blue Jays to the new Blue Jays. And it's just... It, it was not fun to be a part of uh, this, like I said, mess of a season. But I, I think in in hindsight, this was a necessary season. We went from an, a super old team to that that was making the playoffs to a super old team that wasn't making the playoffs, and now went from a super old team to one of the youngest teams uh, in in the league. And I think it. It, this season definitely was needed to kind of pave the way for the future, but it it, it kind of was a mess. Like when you when you when you really soak in what just happened over the last six months.
0: Yeah, I really like those two words that you used, mess and bridge because it was really a mess. It started off well and it just went downhill from there. There was injuries, there was controversy. Um it was abundant with things that were by definition not good, but it was also a bridge from, you know, uh, 2015 and 2016 those old teams that w- did really well, but um Obviously, you had aged out and kind of phased out as far as Blue Jays were concerned, whether it be contracts or trading or just getting bad. Um, but it, also 2017 was kind of that moment of realization that like we can't do this this team is not going to be good there was some hope starting the 2018 season because the, there were so many ra- rankings like fan graphs had the Blue Jays um, be competing for a wild card spot which quite obviously didn't happen um, but it, I, I think 2017 was a moment of realization the start of 2018 was kind of a bit of false hope and then Really, this season served as a bridge to uh, 2019, 2020, and whatever may come beyond it. I, I think um, that the Blue Jays will not be anywhere close to competing next season. I don't think that anyone involved with the Blue Jays organization has that on their mind. But then 2020 and beyond, it, it will be obviously a key part of discussions with the Blue Jays. Um Looking back on this season, what do you think are things that will be remembered? Like, for, for me personally, I, I think it's um, the, the roof tears at the Rogers Center. I think that's definitely something that's going to stick out in my mind just because of how weird it was and how it never happens. Um, and how you had, the, the Blue Jays actually had to cancel a game against the Kansas City Royals because of those roof tears. Uh, it was super weird. I, I think also a bunch of debuts that will be remembered for me. Uh, obviously, Lourdes Goriel, Ryan Brucky, uh, Sean Reed, Foley, uh, Danny Jansen, uh, even Reese McGuire, uh, Rowdy Telez. The names go on and on. And I think that's part of the bridge that we mentioned. Those names are going to be remembered, and hopefully those debuts become very important in the future as uh, as the players get better and, and hopefully become uh, all-star players. So I, I think the corkiness of the season in... Uh, the roof tears, the debuts, and also the controversy, as we talked about Roberto Osuna, namely, uh, get it out there, uh, his his allegations of domestic violence that just wrapped up last week, actually with his uh, peace bond, um, it it kind of enveloped the Blue Jays in in a sort of mire for for a few weeks or or months, really, uh, in the middle of the summer, and it was just disgusting to to have to deal with that on a daily basis as teams and as people covering the teams, it was just not nice. And I, I think those are the three key things that I will remember from this season.
1: You know what? I think the biggest thing that came out of this season was something that didn't even actually happen during the regular season. I feel like Vladimir Guerrero's home run in or the final game of the spring training will be the most memorable thing of this season because even still to this day, I hear people talking about it. And it's just this season, the major league team was nothing special, but the minor league teams and and the players that are looking to be, uh, come the next major league team, I think are what people are going to remember, uh, specifically uh, Vlad Guerrero. Like you mentioned, numerous prospects. uh, They are simply the new face of the franchise, or the new faces of the franchise, and, you know, Vlad, Vlad Guerrero, he, I think he set the tone for what Blue Jays baseball could be in the future, and that, I feel, would be the most memorable moment of the season, Uh, also, like you said, the Roberto Osuna incident, uh, I feel like that got people's attention for the wrong reasons, uh, but... It still, I feel, will be memorable for a very long time. Uh, just looking back at Osuna when the Astros played the Blue Jays in Toronto, uh, fans were still very emotional about it, and I-, I can see why. I don't blame them at all. It just, you know, people still remember it. And I feel, I-, I feel like Osuna. Eventually, I feel like this will blow away for it or blow over for him. But for now, I feel like this is just going to be the. The biggest thing, or one of the biggest things that happened to him in Toronto this season specifically. Uh, And then also the last thing, uh, I feel like John Gibbons and the Blue Jays parting ways is going to be one of the biggest things. Because he's played with the Blue Jays for over a decade, or combined uh, for over a decade. And now there were various rumors throughout the last month, month and a half, about how Gibbons was not necessarily uh, looking to become the next manager uh, and then just eventually it was announced towards or close to the final game of final home game of the regular season that he would not be returning next year and it just it, it took a lot of people by surprise, which I don't see why I mean there was so many rumors about it but it just there was a ton of emotion because John Gibbons got a massive curtain call. Uh, uh, the final home game. Nobody seemed to really care that the players were going. Uh, it's it just everyone cared about Gibbons, and especially the John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, met, named uh, the final home game of that of this season John Gibbons Day, which just it really shows the impact that he had to to the city, the team, to everybody, and it just I think that proves why it's it's just it was such a memorable moment that nobody could really forget even in the future like when you talk about some of the Blue Jays greats you're going to be talking about uh, Jose Bautista John Gibbons Vernon Wells all these other great players and just I feel like John Gibbons like I said ranks up there and he'll just he'll be remembered for a very long time
0: I can't believe I even forgot Gibbons I feel like it's just something that um you know we We celebrated on John Gibbons' day, that last Blue Jay home game, only, what, four days ago, and then it just completely left my mind, because today, even, Russell Martin was managing the Blue Jays, not John Gibbons, so we didn't have that dramatic send-off that we would have. Um, on the final day uh, to add to that confluence of events if he had been managing today instead of Russell Martin. I'm glad you brought up the Vlad home run uh, because that was obviously big, th- the highlight of the the first part of the season. And then uh, as the season developed, it kind of got forgotten. But it is still, you know, they showed the video during today's game and it, I, I forgot how amazing that a moment was. I I don't know if I had ever watched it, actually, because I was listening to it on the radio at the time, but it was uh, an amazing moment, and I definitely think it will be remembered for years to come because of Ladd Jr.'s uh, hopefully prominent presence in the Toronto sports sphere. sphere. Uh, You wanted to talk about um, coming up, uh, what's coming up as far as the postseason goes, because you really detest the the postseason format as is uh which we kind of got a showcase of because the rays were playing blue jays uh this past series and the rays are really good and not in the postseason can you talk about that a bit
1: yes so for those of you that don't know i severely severely hate the current mlb playoff format it just it it angers me to look at the standings right now and see some of the teams that did not qualify for the playoffs simply because of where their division is right now. Uh, as of right now, the current teams that are in the playoffs are in the American League are the Red Sox, the Astros, and the Indians. Uh, and then the New York Yankees and the Oakland Athletics took the two wildcard spots and then in the NL right now, Atlanta they are the only division leader as of right now, and then the Brewers, the Cubs, the Dodgers, and the Rockies are all tied in their divisions, and then they will be playing a tiebreaker tomorrow to kind of see who who goes on to the division series and who goes on to the to the wild card game, and it just it angers me for many reasons, simply because. In a league with 30 teams, there is no reason why 10 teams should be the only ones in the playoffs. Especially, or adding to that, four of those teams are only guaranteed one game. They have to go play an entire 162 game season just for the right to play one game, which, you know, their entire season could be determined after nine innings. And it's just, baseball is not a sport where you can do that. And I feel like one of the ways the league could fix this and i've said this to so many people i feel like the league needs to do two things bring in two more teams whether it be the montreal expos and another team out west maybe a team in vancouver or some somewhere where the league knows they'll make money and then adopt a completely different format and i got this idea actually from an episode of blue jay central i believe it was in september of last year so i've been really thinking about this for a year now um and i think what the league needs to do is instead of having the american league and the national league with three divisions and two card teams they need to morph it into two divisions per league whether it's the al east nl east al west al or nl west or however they want to do it maybe pacific and Atlantic, you know, however they wanted to, to deteriorate, deteriorate who goes where. And then what they need to do is they need to put eight teams per division, which kind of is why I said they need to have two more teams to make it 32, and then have eight teams divided equally, and then simply have the top four teams in each division qualify for the playoffs. And then whether they want to, say, the American League, east will play against the american league west to see who comes out of that or you know however they want to make the matchups up until the world series is up to them but i feel like that's the best way the league can improve the the current playoffs picture and we've heard so many rumors about how uh What's the word I'm looking for? Completely forgot it. Uh, Ratings and everything are down in the league and everybody wants to attract this new generation of fans. Well, just the way I see it, you cannot attract a new generation of fans when two-thirds of that fan base has to sit on the outside during the playoffs. You need to have more teams competing for the world series and when you look at the nba for example their playoff picture they have an eastern conference a western conference and then the top eight teams from each conference makes the playoffs same with the nhl they have three divisions per for the eastern conference and the western conference and then two wild card teams uh, the only difference is the top three teams from each division within the conference makes the playoffs and then the two wild card teams they play uh, i don't remember exactly how it is but they play the the division leaders in a way and it just i feel like that that's what the league needs to do something similar to that where eight teams or 16 teams total makes it and it just it it just, it just makes sense to me because then uh just Stat-wise, uh, I haven't really talked about the teams that I thought should have made the playoffs, but in the American League right now, there's no reason why the Tampa Bay Rays with 90 wins should be missing the playoffs. Uh, the Seattle Mariners, 89 wins, they easily could have made the playoffs this year as well as the last three seasons in a row. They Their drought is, what, 17 years now? And it just, it, it angers me that they haven't made the playoffs in almost two decades, and they they really have enough wins to qualify like i believe last year the wildcard teams th- neither of the teams in the american league had more than 90 wins and the mariners easily can make that uh, they sh- they should easily qualify and then especially in the national league right now there's no the cardinals definitely with 88 wins there's no reason why they should be eliminated uh, and then the drop off down there is is kind of more dramatic than the or the American League where Pittsburgh and Washington Arizona they all have uh, quite a few less wins however i still think they easily could have made the playoffs should the, or had the format have been different It just, just it it's just it i i don't like it that teams just take the race for example a team with 90 wins is not making the playoffs simply because of a, the division they're placed in, and B, the fact that there's only two teams that make it less, or aside from the division winners. And it's just, like, like I said, it's just, the, the league wants more fans, yet they only want to kind of cater towards a small fraction of those fans, and it, it doesn't work that way. You gotta attract more fans in with more excitement, and more excitement, in my opinion, with any sport is the playoffs and that's what people live for halfway through the season I think half the teams in the league are just playing to get the season over with I know the Blue Jays were like that this year uh, and it just it shouldn't be that way there should be so many more teams competing for playoff spots rather than just sitting there thinking okay well we're a legitimate team but we're not making the playoffs simply because well, well our division is too good and then the wild card, you know, it, there's only two teams that make it. It's, it's not fair, in my opinion. Uh, what do you think? Do you agree with me? I, I'm actually really interested to see what you say.
0: I think... Uh, mostly, I agree with you because it obviously is a broken system. It does have to be fixed in some way because there are teams that are really good that are not making the postseason this year, and a team like the Yankees, which is historically good in a lot of ways, like um, they, they, I believe, they've hit the most home runs out of any team ever, uh, which is certainly not a, solely an indication of how good they are, but they are a very good team, and they're they they might get kicked out by the Oakland Athletics in in a wild card game one. Game to show what they've done in an Entire season um which I I think is just unfair And obviously it's a broken system that needs to be Fixed um Theoretically, right now, you could have a team like the the New York Yankees getting kicked out after one game. That have a team, um, nothing's coming to mind right now, but one year in the AL or or NL Central, I believe, the St. Louis Cardinals won the division with a record that was barely over 500, like one or two wins over 500. So you could have the Yankees and a team, uh, the Yankees get out of the postseason after the wild card game, and then the Cardinals be in the postseason. With with a record like that, it's just the the dichotomy between those two is obviously something that needs to be fixed. Now, as far as how to fix it, that's something I don't know because um, two things that I found in your uh, the the proposal that you made um, for you know two different main leagues like Pacific and Atlantic, and then um, doing it like the NBA does. What, did you say the top eight teams from each league? Yeah,
1: like have the have eight teams per. Division, uh, 16 teams per league, and then eight teams make it per uh, the AL and NL. So, uh,
0: two things with that. Um, I'd say the main thing is rivalries because, uh, obviously, like the the Red Sox-Yankees, if a team plays another team a lot, those rivalries are sustained and it makes for just Good TV overall. Um, And the second thing is it doesn't solve the problem completely because you still have the two different divisions. Um, But I can't really think of any other system that would solve it 100% besides just like a kind of round-robin season where everyone plays everyone. And that would not go over well. I don't think that would be a good system of baseball. So it'd certainly be very interesting, but um, not not good TV at all. And, and you wouldn't get familiar with an opponent. You wouldn't, it, it just wouldn't work period. Um, but overall, I think, yes, something does have to be changed and whatever it may be. I, I don't know, but I hope that in the next few years, MLB does add those next few teams to expand it into more markets, like um, we were talking earlier, Montreal, obviously a prominent team in that. um, There's been talks of maybe even expanding to Mexico City. I don't know how feasible that is as far as geography goes, but I think that would be great for a different market. Uh, And and it it would really be just amazing for baseball. So if you expanded to those two locations, Montreal, Mexico City, um, and then you had... uh, Uh, like you proposed, those different leagues. I think it would be an improvement. It wouldn't solve the system all the way, and there would definitely be new flaws in the system that uh, we can't poke out right now because we don't know what they are. Um, But overall, I think it would improve upon what we have right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. And just one kind of final thing that I I, I was just looking at the standings once more. One of the other reasons that this kind of really angers me is the Cleveland Indians, a team that did make the playoffs – has 91 wins and 71 losses. The Tampa Bay Rays, a team that actually didn't qualify for the playoffs, the only thing separating them from the Indians is the fact that they had won less the win, or the record-wise. And it's just, it angers me because, like I said, a team with such similar records have such different fates, and it just, something needs to get done. Uh, I like how you said, uh, or when you mentioned how it wouldn't work because. Other teams uh, wouldn't play each other as much, such as the the, like the Red Sox Yankees. Uh, I I agree with that. Uh, However, one thing I kind of like, you probably will disagree. I I know a lot of people disagree with this, but I love interleague matches when you know like the Blue Jays. They went to Wrigley Field last year. They're going to Dodger Stadium next year. I love seeing that because as a, a fan of the Blue Jays, I only and living in Canada, I only ever get to see Dodger Stadium in the playoffs or if I watch YouTube. Like I, I never get to see some of these other stadiums or unless I go to them. I I've, I've, so I feel like if teams were to play teams from the other leagues uh, or the opposite league more often, I feel like I would like that. You probably would disagree. Uh I know a lot of people do. It's just I I think that would be pretty cool just seeing more teams uh, than just the other four in your division and uh, the rest of your league pretty much for your entire season.
0: In general, I like interleague play because, uh, as you mentioned, you get to see new things and new players. And, and you know, like, I don't know, Max Muncie, star players that you only ever hear about uh, in in watching videos and reading articles and, and looking at stat sites. You get to see them play against your favorite players and your f- favorite team, which is just an awesome thing. And you get to see new stadiums and hear about new places. Uh, and it's really interesting. But it also... Um, deteriorates the 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 bond, I guess the the relationship that teams have against the, the, each other when they play each other frequently in the history that they have. Um, I, I mean, personally, I kind of find it boring when the Blue Jays play the Rays, um, and exciting when they get to play. I don't know the the Diamondbacks or something because the Rays are, are first off they play in an awful stadium, um, but second off they're they're just a, a team that you see all the time, it feels boring, there's no, and there's no real rivalry between the teams that, that's that been like, uh, I, I mean authentically created so I, I understand it when I think of an example like the Rays, but again, when I think of an example like the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees it's like, a new system would perhaps get rid of that relationship, which is kind of essential to the fabric of baseball uh, so, I I'm conflicted on the idea, but I I do get where you're coming from, and I don't think you're a a heathen for believing that. Um, Moving on to our second-to-last topic. Um, Obviously, as we mentioned earlier, John Gibbons is out as Blue Jays manager. Uh, He is set to... um, who knows what he's doing. He might retire after this season. He might come back in, the, in another coaching position with the Blue Jays. He might go off to another team. There's a whole lot of managerial uh, open spaces this season. It's kind of amazing. Uh, uh, you know, like the Angels, the Rangers. Um, it, it's a... Uh, plethora of teams that are, are getting rid of their managers, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of managers on the market, and there's a lot of spots for managers to go. So who knows what will happen with John Gibbons? Uh, but there's a lot of names in the mix for Gibbons. Uh, I think the one that um, I'm leaning on the most heavily is John Schneider, the manager of the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats this season. Um, of course, with the help of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette and um, you know Kevin Biggio and all these players. Um, but with the help of them, he did lead the Fisher Cats to a championship in the Eastern League, which is the double the A league that the, the Fisher Cats play in. Uh he obviously the Blue Jays are looking for someone younger who has experience with these younger players. So I think John Schneider fits that bill perfectly. He doesn't have maybe the experience that they're looking for. He's only a few years retired from actually playing himself. I, I believe he played in the Blue Jays organization. Um, some other names I've heard, uh, Blue Jay coaches, Luis Rivera in the mix. Um, I I This is probably completely off base, pun intended, uh, and wild. But I... After today's game, it's kind of, the idea is sneaking into my brain that Russell Martin is somehow in contention. I know that doesn't work because he still has years left on his contract and he's young and he could play for more years and make more money that he would not make as a manager uh, and it just doesn't work. But it's sneaking into my brain and I really want it to happen even though it will never happen. Um, Who of the names I mentioned obviously there's so many other names that I haven't mentioned and either very prominent guys in this in these talks for manager that I have not mentioned. So with all those options on the board and obviously the the options elsewhere in the league on the board, what do you think about the the Blue Jays situation this offseason trying to find a new manager?
1: You know, you brought up a name that I wasn't necessarily considering but I think would provide a lot of depth for the Blue Jays, and that was Luis Rivera. Uh, he's been with the team for as long as I can remember, uh, at least. He knows the staff well, he knows the team well, uh, he clearly knows how to coach baseball. I mean, he's been playing with, or he's been a base coach with the Blue Jays for so long. Uh, I wouldn't mind to see him as the manager, to be honest. I think he he could definitely do well as a manager, uh, if not him, I wouldn't mind seeing a guy like DeMarlo Hale, who's just been pretty much John Gibbon's second-hand man for a very long time. Uh, Whenever he gets ejected, DeMarlo is instantly the acting manager, and he does well on those situations. Uh, One kind of crazy thought I had, uh, Roberto Alomar. I mean, I would say very unlikely, but he... I see him every spring spring training down in Florida with the Blue Jays. He's always coaching players. He's always doing interviews mid inning. Uh, I I think he again probably very unlikely, but I would not mind seeing him do that. A former player himself, he's not ridiculously old. I feel like he he could easily kind of fit in with the Blue Jays, and I feel like a lot of players or a lot of fans would like that because, I mean, when you think of the Blue Jays, you think of the glory days, uh, 92, 93, guys like Roberto Alomar, all those guys. And I think he he works well with the players. Like I said, he's always there down down with them in spring training, meeting the younger players, the older players, everybody. And I don't know, it's, it's a crazy thought, but I really wouldn't mind seeing him uh, as a manager. And then one other thought, pro- probably... Unlikely ish, I guess is the best way to put it, but Eric Wedge is a guy, is a name that I think easily could be in contention for the job. Uh, he is currently with the Blue Jays, I believe, as the player development advisor. Uh, he was brought in by Mark Shapiro, I believe, in 2016, or uh, he was brought in recently, ever since he, or Shapiro. Shapiro took over the blue Jays and I think we've seen Shapiro bring in a lot of guys that he or ever since he joined the blue Jays he's joined a, or he's brought a lot of players or uh, and other people that have been closely aligned with the Indians or other teams that he's worked with and I, f- I feel like Shapiro he he would pull something like that and just kind of give a job to a former I mean he, uh, Eric Wedge actually is a former manager. He used to manage the Cleveland Indians, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, and he, I, I feel like Shapiro, Mark Shapiro, he easily could pull something like that. Uh, not sure how likely it is, but we've seen, uh, Mark sh- uh, bring in former p- people that he's worked with in the past, and I, I don't see why he couldn't do that again.
0: Yeah, um, both those names seem reasonable. I, I- I think the only problem with Alomar is that um, he's obviously not what the Blue Jays are looking for because they're looking for someone um, younger, um, probably more analytic uh, as far as making decisions on field and um, with roster decisions and the like. Um, Eric Wedge, I definitely think he is a very real possibility because the Blue Jays did bring him into their their kind of coaching umbrella, their development umbrella, a few years back. And uh, he does have that relationship with Mark Shapiro, uh, Ross Atkins, he and he does have that experience managing. Um, I would say, again, he is not the younger type that they're looking for, um, but that's not to discourage them from hiring someone they know, hiring someone who is more analytic as a manager. Uh, he's definitely a real possibility. I would say he... My my still my favorite pick is still John Schneider, but he is. Um, if I was putting odds on it, I would say it's first John Schneider and then second Eric Wedge because uh, just the history that that the Blue Jay organization has connecting them to Wedge and the fact that um, he's been there for a few years and they kind of brought him in under the radar, but he's been sitting there. It's it's kind of like he's. Um, he's just sitting waiting to pounce on the Blue Jays' managerial position. Uh, But who knows? We'll see. Maybe by the next time we record a podcast, hopefully it won't be five months from now, but the Blue Jays will have named a manager. Uh, We'll see what happens. Um, Lastly, before we go, uh, we're going to touch on prospects Next season, and just um, uh, what what we think will happen next season in general. Um, some very early predictions uh, as far as um, bringing up prospects go, and obviously the the most prominent prospect for the Blue Jays is. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, He is in AAA. Blue Jays have said they're going to bring him up probably mid-April, towards the end of April maybe. Um, I expect that he'll hang around spring training like he did last year. He'll stay in spring training up until those last two games in Montreal. And then at that point, they'll send him down to AAA, give him a few more reps, and also make sure that he avoids that service time um thing so that the Blue Jays can hang on to him for an extra season and then they'll bring him up. Um do you agree with that is there any point where you uh where you think the Blue Jays will handle it differently?
1: No, I think that's that's fair. Uh Guerrero, I think it's a fact that he will be up next next season. It's just a matter of when. I was thinking kind of opening day roster but Maybe not as likely considering what you just said, but maybe mid-April is a fair judgment of when he'll be up, but for sure next season. This season, at least for the first half of it, we were kind of iffy about will he be up, will he will he even come up to AAA, what will he do, but next season for sure he's up.
0: What do you think about Buschett? I think that's a, a a more contentious topic, just because we haven't heard as much um, relating to him, because um, the you know the main the main attraction is uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But we haven't heard anything about Bichette. Um and also he was held back this season, kind of. Uh, he struggled with injuries. He was getting beat up towards the end of the season. He didn't do as well as Guerrero did, uh, and he I. He stayed in Double A the entirety of the season. So, um, do you, when if you expect him to be up next season, when do you expect him to be up?
1: I would say the earliest he comes up is around the All Star break. At the latest, I feel a September call up, but before he comes to the big leagues, like uh, Guerrero, he he needs some time in Triple A. Uh, get his feet wet in AA this e- or next year. Uh, bring him to spring training first. Let him do what he needs to there. Go down Double AA. Prove himself. Bring him up to AAA. Maybe in May or June or whatever, whenever they feel like he's ready. And then it's just a matter of time at that point. I feel like early the earliest he's up, like I said, is all, around the All-Star break. Whether it's right after or right before or something like that. But... It was kind of weird, because like you said, Guerrero, or Bichette, sorry, he was kind of left under the radar uh, by everybody, really, just because of the play of Vladimir Guerrero. He just wasn't really talked about ever since Guerrero really took off, which it kind of sucks if you're Bichette, considering how this time last year, it was Guerrero and Bichette, where now it's... How do I describe this properly? He he was like
0: the. They felt like an inseparable pair before. Like you, you always said Guerrero and Bushet. You never talked about Guerrero without talking about Bushet, or you never talked about Bushet without talking about Guerrero. But now it's Guerrero. You it it it's a discussion about when Guerrero will be up and how good he will be when he's up, instead of a discussion about both of them. It's just about Guerrero now. I feel.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, which, I mean, could be good for Bichette because now he kind of has to prove himself a little more. It's not Guerrero's up, so Bichette's up. Now it's Guerrero's up and Bichette has to work to get up to the big leagues, uh, which, hey, if, it, if, it, if him working harder to get to the big leagues is what has to happen and then he ends up flourishing because of all the extra time he's put in, uh, not against that. I just, you know, I, I think that's kind of going to be the more reasonable outcome it's not just going to be uh, Vlad gets called up say April 10th or or April 16th sorry so Guerrero's automatically called up to or promoted to AAA and then he's already given the date that he's coming up it's not going to be like that I feel like Guerrero's going to come up when he comes up whenever the team feels like he's ready and then Bichette makes it sometime between the all-star break and September but no I don't think he's gonna be anything before that and if definitely nothing after September and it, if honestly if he's not a September call- up next year I would be very concerned I'm just gonna say that.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be like a, a similar situation to Ryan Brookie this season. Like, um, he he was kind of brought up just in an instance where the Blue Jays needed him. Um, I I forget. I think it was mid June, maybe it was even May. Uh, but it was just the Blue Jays needed a starter, so they brought him up. Uh, and and then he he you know he bounced around a, a handful of times, but he mostly sticked, stayed up with the Blue Jays, um, and made his mark and really. Uh, made his case for staying with the Blue Jays next season. So I think it'll be a uh, sort of a similar sort of situation with Bichette. He'll, the Blue Jays will have a need for a player like him. They'll call him up, um, and he'll stick around as long as the Blue Jays still need him. And, uh, hopefully he'll hit what he needs to field, how he needs to, um, and really become, uh, the, the player that they need. And he'll stay around at the major league level. Um, but I definitely don't see him coming up at the very start of the season or at the very end of the season. I think it'll be in between and it'll happen happen in a, a an organic way that's not totally planned. Um, that's it for our discussions today. Thank you to everyone who joined us. Uh, again, we apologize about our vast inconsistencies with recording. Uh, but hopefully now that the offseason started, we have, a, we have a bit more time. We don't have to be so rushed on the news cycle. Uh, hopefully we can... Uh, Discuss more about what's happening um, in the episodes to come. Well, thank you for joining us again. Um, I'm Mark Holly from Bluebird Banter 360 Blue Jays News. um, And uh, as always, we're joined by Blue Jays Nation. Thanks for listening.
1: At the door, I'm thirsty for more, for more, for more.
0: That's me!